fun, and they get along with people, lots of people. My next precious find was an article in my local newspaper. The regular section, Rural Life Neighbors, featured the ladies of the La Crosse, Washington Farm Women's Club. The club began in 1932 with the mission of providing women with education and tips for running a farm. But the presence of the tight-knit group of about 50 members has affected the whole community. The creation of the town library was one of their projects, and they always bring food, stories, and baskets of sewing or mending projects to their regular meetings. The club's numbers remain steady, but the club's current members are aging. They need younger women to join. La Crosse is more than an hour's drive from my farm, so I couldn't join as a regular member, but I wanted to meet them. With five farm girls from my crew, we piled into my pickup truck, along with some desserts and magazines. We even took some of our fancy handmade hats, always good for bragging rights and an impromptu fashion show. The meeting was in a building that doubles as their city hall and library. Roll call was the first item on their agenda, with 38 women, including us, reporting for duty. It was customary for every woman whose name was called to respond by answering or commenting on a chosen topic. Today's comment required each woman to describe a positive trait of her husband. As we went around the room, it was obvious that quite a few were now widows. My husband has great passion and pity for people down on their luck. Mine was a great bridge player. Mine fixed everything that ever broke. Mine was never late for dinner. Mine loved the outdoors. Mine loved all children. Mine is a better cook than I. Then one woman said, Here but was silent. The woman taking roll call was the first to get the joke and throw her head back in a laugh. Soon they were all in on the joke. She had nothing to say, good or bad, about her husband. After roll call, I was asked if I would share my farm girl life. The two-hour discussion and luncheon that followed was a lively mix of absolutely everything fabulous in farm girl, from Oprah to sewing and everything challenging from widowhood to farm capital. As we were leaving, we were given some handmade kitchen towels and a $20 bill to cover the cost of our gasoline. So now my definition included the concept of each other. Farm girls value other farm girls, and they aren't afraid to formalize their feelings. Driving home from La Crosse, we decided to create a farm girl connection on our website, a chat room. Young women aren't joining the La Crosse Farm Women's Club because they can't. In order to keep their family farms, they work. So we thought, how about a bulletin where working farm girls can visit with farm girls who still milk a cow every morning? In no time at all, we had more than 300 members sign up, logging more than 4,000 postings that cover everything from aprons and hair curlers to farm photography and farm ownership. What about farm girls in the politics of land ownership? Although it's changing, why is it that mostly men own farmland? And why is it the men are now losing their farms to big corporate interests? I found my answer in a box of 1930s magazines I picked up at an auction. Sold originally for five cents, Country Home announced itself in 1931 as the magazine of Home, Garden, and Farm, established 1877 as Farm and Fireside. Some 70 years later, magazines with words like Country, Garden, and Home in their titles are still bestsellers, but the word farm has been taken off the mastheads. 
In my issue of Country Home, the governor of Illinois, Frank O. Loudon, had agreed to an interview to address what's ahead for the farmer. He replied, Last year I was in a club in Chicago. I sat among a group of railroad presidents who got to talking about the farmer. One of them was out of patience with the farmer. The farmer was a good deal of a fool, this gentleman insisted. He argued that the farmer would never get anywhere until he organized like industry, developed immense farms, and ran them like a railroad or a big automobile plant. Governor, the interviewer said, I talked with a distinguished agricultural economist last week, and he told me that the farmer's trouble lay in the fact that like the little grocer, the little shop craftsman, his day was about over, that the great industrialized farm, like some of those in the southwest, had learned how to make wheat for 50 cents and even 40 cents a bushel, and that these great factoryized farms would increase and the little fellows dwindle until they had all gone and the American farm was in the hands of a number of great individual and corporate farm concerns. Governor Loudon countered with, How many rich men do you know who have gone into farming and made it pay? I don't know any, and I doubt if you do either. But Governor, the interviewer said, there are farms which operate on a great scale and make money. What about the great wheat farms in the Southwest? Farms, the governor answered. Those are not farms. Those are mines. Those fellows are not farming. They are mining. They are digging minerals out of the ground with farming tools. You know you have to count into the cost of your produce the element of depreciation. These men are farming in a semi-arid country on soil which they are forcing and they are literally devouring the fertile elements of the soil. How long will that soil last? And when the land is hopelessly worn out, it will have to be written off, and the whole enterprise will have to be written off, and all that investment will then have to be figured back into the cost of those crops, and they will find that the wheat has cost them a lot of money in the end. The interviewer asked Governor Loudon what he thought should be done for the farmer. His reply was, that the day when the intelligent farmer would come into his own was not far distant. So much is within the farmer's reach now. The old isolation of the farm is gone. It is a place for an educated and an intelligent man to apply his mind. Or a woman, I thought, putting down my priceless find. A new, unexpected breed of farmers is emerging to pick up the plow. Women. If access to land and capital has traditionally been a major limiting factor for women getting into farming, women are proving that you no longer have to be born on or marry into a farm in order to farm. My desire to be a farmer was an obsession for almost 10 years before I found my five acres at the end of a dirt road. How did I do it? I thumbed through real estate ads as if my life depended on it. I traveled country roads knocking on doors. I hoarded my money in a can hanging from a rope lowered into a coal chute. I was bucking at the halter so I knew I had to muster plenty of stick-to-itness. My place showed up one day as an ad. Remote old homestead, five acres, orchard, well, $45,000. If you're a land-poor farm girl, have heart. We're the fastest-growing group of people buying small farms right now. Agricultural Secretary Ann Veneman said, 27.2% of agricultural producers were women in 2002, up from 12.6 in 1997. If you employ basic math with extra hope thrown in, 27.2 becomes 58% in another five years. 
Rosie the Riveter was the icon for women's industrial contributions in World War II, but history has overlooked the women who served on America's agricultural front in the 40s. The Women's Land Army sent three million volunteers to farms, canneries, and dairies. Stephanie Carpenter's book, On the Farm Front, tells the remarkable story of the women who worked to ensure freedom from want at home. The WLA placed women in areas where American farmers urgently needed assistance. In a letter to the editor in the New York Times in 1942, Charlotte Goodwin wrote, We can drive tractors, we can milk cows. We want to join up quickly. Let us get together and organize a women's land army. Are you a closet farm girl? Surname Rozo of Florida is. Surname, who is African-American, spent her working years as a professional dancer and special education teacher in an inner-city school in the Bronx, New York City. At age 65, with a failing heart that requires part-time oxygen, Suriname hangs onto her dream farm in Montana like a lifeline. She said, There has always been a need within me to return to the earth. One way or another, I will someday. Nyleen Schollhorn is a single 30-something mom with two young boys on five acres of land in Nevada, living in an old mobile home. She's an artist, oil paintings and quilts. She said, Right now my farm is my art. But my grandparents used to have a huge garden and compost piles, apple trees, blackberry bushes, and a clothesline. I used to climb up on top of the clothesline poles and sing to the clouds and dream of a horse and farm. So it seems like pretty much anyone who has farm girl fantasies, grows herbs in a window box, takes knitting classes at the Y, or hankers after a handmade wool sweater is in. My final definition then? Farm girl is a condition of the heart. Before I got too far along with the